Hey, listener, this is Owen. Uh, so I am recording this after, um, you know, putting together the episode. And I to- just realized that I forgot to mention a uh, happy Mother's Day to everyone out there, all the mothers that are out there. Uh, sorry if I uh, sound a little weird. <clears throat> it's actually a little late. I just randomly remembered this. Um, yeah, forgot to bring, bring up with Fong on the episode that it was Mother's Day when the news broke. So just want to take this chance to, again, wish uh, everyone out there happy Mother's Day. Uh, and, you know, to all the mothers out there, happy Mother's Day. I uh, hope you guys had a good Sunday and, you know, stay safe out there. Um, yeah, so enjoy the episode. Um, and, yeah, <laughs> and I, I totally, like, just had a brain fart because... I'm totally going to use this as a bit, like, you know, like, I could have asked Fong, like, what he did on uh, Mother's Day. I actually haven't asked him yet. Probably should ask him later. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a pretty fun uh, mother, Mother's Day. Treating my mom out to dinner and stuff like that. And uh, we could have let, we could you know, I could have made that into a bit. Like, oh, so the Kings were busy hiring Mike Brown. So there's the bit for the day that could have been. Uh, but alas, it was not to be. So... All right, everyone, enjoy the episode. Okay, hello. Welcome to episode 188 of Sap King's Therapy. Uh, We're coming to you with some special news. Um, We don't, I guess we get to have these every now and then uh, during the season, but this is the off season. Uh, The Kings were looking for a head coach, and now... They have one. Uh, so the finalists were Steve Clifford, uh, Mark Jackson, and Mike Brown. And the Kings decide to go with Mike Brown. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's uh let well let, 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 let's let's stay focused on Mike Brown because we will get to the Mark Jackson stuff. And unfortunately, just not much love for Steve Clifford. I really do feel bad for him to a certain degree. But you know, it, well, let, let, let's talk, let's start with Mike Brown. So uh, the rumors were it was a two man race. It was between Mark Jackson and uh, and Mike Brown. And ultimately, uh, the reports were that Vivek apparently wanted uh, Mark Jackson. And uh, Monty and Wes Wilcox wanted Mike Brown. And it looks like the front office won, which, you know, wasn't a good thing. Yeah, pretty big win, I'd say so myself. And I'm pretty sure most Kings fans would say that they would have rather had Mike Brown over Mark Jackson in any circumstance. And luckily, Vivek didn't overturn anything in terms of Warning, Mark Jackson. I will say from the response I saw online, I'm not saying it's 50-50 or anything. It's definitely towards like 73rd. There are quite a few Mark Jackson. We'll, we'll get into it. There are quite a few Mark Jackson people that were very disappointed. Ron Harper, of all people, like was like replying to like random Kings fans saying that they should have hired Mark Jackson. It's like, what? What? Like Jamal Crawford's out here endorsing him. I get it to a certain degree. Players love Mark Jackson, but you know, we'll, we'll get into him a little bit later, but overall it's the responses were very happy. Uh, there were some that were just, Oh, you know, you know, you, you go with the safe choice. How, how uninspiring those people. I'm sorry. Those people are the most insufferable types of people. I'm sorry, but <laughs> like, you know, 
just there, there's a very meh uh portion that definitely you know very meh about this uh about this selection but and then of course you have the mark jackson people but like th- those were the three responses that i primarily saw overall i am very happy with this choice i think mike brown has shown that you know in the past he's a good coach and that you know he's also spent a lot of time uh under steve kerr learning just how to run offense one of the biggest criticisms of him was that he didn't run you know very imaginative offense well you spend some time under steve kerr you hope he learns something and hopefully he can bring it to the kings and of course what he is known for is defense and you hope that you know he can bring a different defensive focus uh you know a stronger defensive scheme to finally get this team the Sac- the Sacramento Kings team who in the past 16 years has only been ranked 20th or above twice like you know finally make them play some defense yeah let's hope so and you know it makes me want to or I can't wait for the off season uh to come any quicker because you know he's still um with the Warriors organization trying to finish off their playoff run and you know he is coaching tonight Yeah, he is. And I mean like we won't really know much, but like, you know, just kind of a cool the kind of a cool little thing. So Steve Kerr it did uh, get COVID and you know, he's filling in for uh Steve Kerr. Uh and let I again, I I don't know what to really take away from it, but like that that's a that's a pretty cool thing. Um so Yeah, uh one more thing to mention. So before uh Mike Brown was hired, uh Vivek and uh Vivek was at the Warriors and Grizzlies game and weirdly enough, so was Luke Walton and so was Alvin Gentry. That was just really weird. And you know, Mike Brown and Mark Jackson were in the building as well. And apparently they didn't even know he was going to be there. Oh jeez. So <laughs> well, that's interesting. So again, that was just kind of weird. All right. So let, let, let's let's uh kind of just detail a little bit of uh Mike Brown's uh coaching career. So he's ha- he's been in the league for 21 years, dating all the way back to 1997, which uh that's not 21 years I don't think if I do the math. But a- mm. anyways. <laughs> so um he started um as a video guy at the age of I believe 22. uh was an assistant at uh when he turned 25 i believe it was with the wizards and he he started he started as an assistant for the wizards uh he went to the spurs in 1999 uh after after a stint there he actually coached Steve Kerr interestingly enough during that period oh. um he joined indiana uh Rick Carlisle's uh Rick Carlisle's Indiana team in 2003 and was there uh during the Malice at the Palace trying to basically wrestle uh, Ron Artest away from, you know, the people in Detroit. Um he became a head coach of the Cavaliers in 2005 um uh, all the way until 2010 until basically the decision. Um you know, the, you know, the LeBron, I guess LeBron did had made up his mind at that point, but like they basically fired him because LeBron didn't like want him as the coach anymore like that was kind of the rumor and they hired By- Byron Scott uh so that was that was an interesting little tidbit um so during his run as the Cavaliers uh he had a two, 272 to 138 record in the regular season and 42 and 29 in the playoffs in his five year stint so very impressive numbers yeah those are pretty impressive and that's with a LeBron team with many many Mo nuts. Williams was their second best player. Yeah. <laughs> There's a big like I get it like some people were like brain well he had LeBron James. Yes, 
sure, but like we should knock him. We should not knock him for having LeBron James. Mm-hmm. And oh, he yeah. he got he got that team to play defense. Like that that's the that's the big thing with him. And of course, the offense at the time was very unimaginative. Like it really kind of capped their ceiling to a certain degree. But also, like the talent also did that. So yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, pretty much all LeBron, to be honest. Uh, so uh, his, he had another job after that with the Lakers. Uh, it, so during the lockout season in 2011-2012, he went 41-25 and 25 with the Lakers. Uh, they got to the second round before falling to a young Oklahoma City team. That was the Oklahoma City team with James Harden, a young James Harden, uh, uh, you know, a young Westbrook who somehow was actually... I've, I've watched some videos back and. It's pretty incredible how he's actually he was actually a lot worse back then. Um, that's, <laughs> I didn't notice it. Like just the the shit, the shitty decision making, you know, broken ass jump shot. Like let's be honest, it was a broken ass jump shot, and you know the out of control drives. Anyway, um, yeah. So a- after losing to the Lakers or after losing to the Thunder in the second round, they come back the next year. They get Dwight. They get Nash. It was supposed to be fun. Uh, they fired him after five games after a one and four start because that team did not play defense. And one of the reasons why uh, Steve, Steve Nash broke his leg, I think, in the first game of the season. It was either the first or the second game of the season. And Dwight Howard had back surgery and came back early and just couldn't even move. So, yes, it was very fair to fire him five games in the season. So good job there. That was kind of the Lakers at their dumbest. Um, and, you know, hilariously enough, they hired uh, Mike D'Antoni after passing on Phil Jackson. It, and then that led to a weird power struggle uh, with the organization where Jeannie Buss ended up taking over the team and firing her brother. So that's a fun Jeez. little tidbit. It's like winning time part two, part what, 20 maybe, eh, going into the future, I guess. Phil Jackson, like, was, I think, was dating Jeannie at the time too, which that's, oh, that's just weird. I don't know. Look, I'm not here to judge about like just the age difference. It is it is just a bit weird. And like with how Phil Jackson seems to have like burned every bridge with every organization he's worked with is interesting. I'll just say. Yeah, <laughs> you could say that. Okay, so after after being fired by the Lakers, he decided to go back to the Cavaliers uh, in the 2013-2014 season with a young Kyrie Irving and a young Tristan Thompson. And I want to say young Anthony. No, Anthony Bennett was 24. No, no. Yeah, Anthony Bennett. That, that was the Anthony Bennett year. Holy shit. He, he went back. Uh, they ended up posting a 33 and 49 record. So apparently, so I just listed the, the names, Anthony Bennett, Kyrie, young Kyrie Irving, young Tristan Thompson. Apparently, the idea was that the, the, the uh, owner wanted them to get into playoff contention with that team. So... There's that. They fired him after they fired him after he didn't uh, get them to the playoff. And apparently, uh, according according to I, I forgot his name. He, he was just on ESPN 1320. But like apparently, the the plan was to build a just build a foundation for LeBron to come back. That apparently that was actually a plan. I I honestly thought they walked ass backwards into that one. But no, apparently that was actually the plan to lure LeBron back back somehow. Huh. After all these years, I mean, yeah, I guess you could say that his contract was expiring within the next, was it 
year, pretty much during that time. So. But at the same time, like for him to actually go back to Cleveland, like after you know the the letter, the open letter that Dan Gilbert wrote, like it, it was far fetched. I didn't believe it at the time. I thought he was one hundred percent staying in Miami at the time. I was pretty shocked mm. when he actually announced he came back. I know in hindsight, always oh, of course he was always going to come up. I don't think so. Hmm. Maybe, maybe that's the reason why Mike Brown got fired early because LeBron didn't want him before. Uh, I, well, we'll never know. But <laughs> anyways, uh, so sit. So he took a little of a little bit of a sabbatical. I think around a two or three year sabbatical, and then he came back in 2017 uh, to Steve Kerr's team, and he actually ended up taking over uh, during the playoff run. This is this is the first year they got Kevin Durant. And he coached them to an 11 and 0 record. Uh, if you don't remember, basically, uh, Steve Kerr I think had a back um, injury that basically made it so he couldn't really coach. And so basically, he had an undefeated playoff record. Basically, all, all, pretty much all the way up until the finals. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Well, it was a pretty good team, to be honest. Yeah, it, it was just it just happened to be probably the greatest team of all time. So. You know, uh, he he did apparently like you know there there are like credits where there are like uh, articles you can find where uh, Clay Thompson and Draymond Green credit a lot of Mike Brown's coaching for just keeping them composed. So there, there's that. Um, his overall record uh, through all these years is three hundred and forty seven to two hundred and sixteen in the regular season and forty seven and thirty six in the playoffs. His teams, other than the thirteen fourteen Cavs, that his second Cavs stint, have finished over fourteenth in defense. Uh, and that specific Cavs team, that the only team to not finish fourteenth uh, or better, was actually nineteen. And again, you look at that team; it's Anthony Bennett. It's Kyrie Irving, it's a young Tristan Thompson, that, and of course there are other guys. But like you, you I with those guys as your main guys, like to say that to like predict that that's going to be a top fourteen defense, like come on. And he, he managed to get them to finish nineteenth, which is the highest the Kings have finished in this in these last sixteen years. Ah, uh, that's interesting. So wait, so they finished fourteenth during the thirteen fourteen, then no, they and- finished nineteenth. The third oh. season and finish 14th or better every other season. Oh, I see. Oh, oh that's a weird way switcheroo, huh? What do you mean it's a that's weird switcheroo? I, I, I don't know what I'm saying, but yeah, that'd be pretty interesting to see if uh, Kings can even get to those numbers because, yeah, we're we're not used to that. <laughs> I guess uh, the improvement in defense uh, over the past X amount of years that we've been watching. Uh, another thing I've read about Mike Brown is with the Warriors is that he has a defensive player of the week kind of, uh, not a contest, but basically he has these, like, he basically announces, like, defensive player of the week to kind of, like, you know, basically let the team, like, know who, like, played well on defense and, like, essentially praises them and not shame the people that have been playing bad, but essentially uses as a way to kind of hold players accountable. So there's that little thing that's really cool. Like Draymond Green loves this kind of stuff. And <laughs> uh, and yeah, so like that's one thing I really hope he brings to the team. You gotta hold like guys like De'Aaron accountable on defense. Cause like, you know, the Matador defense that he plays sometimes, like somebody gotta call him out. And I think I think it's about time. So mm. hopefully that hopefully that's gonna be something he carries over. Um, so we're gonna get into this a little bit, but apparently he used to be really, really OCD and would just be very kind of, you know, anal 
about the details. And also, apparently, he would run like crazy long uh, practices, so, like three hour long practices. And apparently, that rubbed a lot of players the wrong way. Like his second stint with the Cavs, Kyrie did not like him at all because of that. And so, so ever since then, uh, I read an article about uh, from Anthony Slater, you know, famed uh, Warriors writer. Um, so he's really mellowed out since his second uh, stint with the Cavs. And basically, you know, he took those few years off to just kind of relax a little bit and just kind of get a different perspective on coaching. And, you know, during that time, he kind of hung around uh, Greg Popovich quite a bit. Like Popovich, like invited him to like practices and stuff like that. And then when he joined Steve Kerr, he kind of saw like just how essentially chill the the structure around Golden State was. And kind of like he started to kind of take away from those lessons. And he kind of found out like he didn't he didn't need to be as OCD and like you got to like hold hold players hands and like teach them step by step about like how plays are run and stuff like that. Instead, you know, he started to kind of find out like, oh, you can just kind of explain it to them and just give them general directions. And, you know, these players are smart enough to kind of do that. And that's kind of how he's been approaching, you know, coaching since he's uh, joined the Warriors. Uh, That's a pretty interesting tactic. Uh, I kind of want to see how it ends up with the Kings, though. So, So let me let me ask you this. Do you want him to be OCD with the Kings? I kind of want to meet halfway, to be honest. I think we need to run some plays or what, you know, practices to get in rhythm of what kind of defense we should be looking forward to. Because as of right now, our defense is god awful. And I think maybe a little more practice uh, can, uh, you know, play some effect. But yeah, running three hour long practices each time they practice. Uh, Maybe not that long. Maybe maybe cut that in half. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do hot take. Hot take machine here. I want him to go full OCD. These motherfuckers on the Kings don't deserve it. Don't deserve any kind of like, you know, freedom. Let's just say, mm-hmm. you you motherfuckers have not played defense for 16 years. You need somebody to tell you you fucking suck on this end, and that you need someone to hold your hand. You need someone to, you know, treat you like treat you like the children you are sometimes, and like he needs to change the culture around here. I think. I just think you, you know, I get it. Like you want to respect the players, you wanna, you you wanna like respect them as pe- as people, as professionals, like that they that they know what they're doing. This team has proven not to know what they're doing, and I, I like Sabonis might be the one that might be immune to this for now, but this team needs some damn structure. And I and Mike Brown might need to tap into that version of Mike Brown because I like look get don't get me wrong I'm all about respecting and giving players freedom to kind of do, you know express themselves to a certain degree, but Lu Wong tried that and it didn't work. Alvin Gentry tried that and it didn't work. Yeah, Mike Mike Brown might need to kind of revert back to old Mike Brown, the the old Mike Brown, <laughs> and might he might have to whip whip some sense into these young folks. Which I don't mind either, <laughs> but I don't know how these players can take. Uh, I guess this type of Mike Brown. I mean, look I, again. Like I'm, like I was listening to um, Co- Coach Nick B-ball breakdown, and he was talking about like Kevin Porter Jr. And I, I've expressed my opinions on Kevin Porter Jr. I'm not a fan. Uh-huh. Um, 
he was just he was talking like you know Kevin Porter Jr. is really talented and he just needs a coach to kind of like be able to speak to him and to be able to motivate him that motherfucker is being paid millions of dollars to play basketball does he need anything else why the hell do, why the hell do am I gonna get a coach for to speak to you you mother this motherfucker is about to be out the damn league in a few years and he doesn't get his damn act straight and like yeah sure power player empowerment we want to be we want to show sympathy we want to show empathy to a certain degree I'm like it's gone a little too far I think that's yeah I'm, I'm kind of like falling back into drill sergeant mode and just like at a certain point there needs to be like personal responsibility with these young guys like you guys have had the privilege of being so talented and hitting you know the genetic lottery you know be a little you know show a little bit more respect for the game show a little bit more respect for yourselves and take yourselves a little bit more seriously you shouldn't need grown as you know grown as men to motivate you to be able to play and that and you know like you know i it's i know it's not fun to talk about but sometimes like you know with how like this this team has shown that they can't collectively come together and hold each other accountable sometimes you need you need like the grown men in the room to do that and mike brown might have to tap into that drill sergeant mode if you will mm. i guess we'll have to see because <laughs> yeah i mean we do really need that <laughs> okay all right so the, the million dollar the million dollar question so mike brown has signed, signed a four-year four-year uh contract which is i think pretty standard it's either four-year or five-year hmm. uh. anyways a four four-year contract so the million dollar question was it the right hire and what what would you say what was like like so you're definitely a mike brown guy um mm -hmm. clearly like what would you say he like he does better than Mark Jackson? Uh, well, in terms of all the stuff that Mark Jackson, or, you know. And let, let's stick to the coaching for now. Like we okay. know that we know the, you know, controversial kind of anti-LGBT stuff and, you know, some of the religious stuff, but like, let, let's keep that out. Let's talk about coaching. Well, in my opinion, Mark Jackson is more of a, I mean, I know that he's a, a players love him, but I don't know. With our team, it's kind of hard to get in the heads of do they really like this guy? I mean, as a fan, don't really care for him. I mean, he's a great commentator. He gets all these, uh, whatchamacallit, slogans down real perfectly. But as a coach, I don't know. It's been a while, so... I don't know how much experience he has since uh, he's the last coach, which is since what? what 2014. Uh, yeah, that's quite a while now. <laughs> and he hasn't uh, had a, a more experience between now or yeah, now and then, right? No. So like, yes, he, so the, one of the big things was, was that he does really, you look, you break it all down. He really does not have that much experience. It's three years of coaching experience total. Like Mike mm. Brown has 21 years of being an assistant coach and a head coach. Mike Brown or no, Mark Jackson has a total of three years as a head coach and nothing mm. else. Uh, and I don't know how you would count the broadcasting job. Like maybe that's experience, but like it's not really, he, he wasn't in the game, if you will. 
Yeah, and I'm gonna say in this way too. In my opinion, Mark Jackson is kind of a risk. I mean, sure, he could be a great coach for the players that can amp up the team to play defense and do this and do that. But it's been a while, and also, uh, man, what I was about to say. I don't know. It's like Mike Brown's a more safer uh, choice. He has the credentials, like you said, for the past, let's see, not 21 years, but, you you know, the the years that he's been uh, under the uh, teachings of other coaches. So, like, this is one of the big things. So, like, this really stuck stuck with me. Um, So last Friday on ESPN 1320, like, I love Casey. Mm-hmm. I like Damian Barling, like he's kind of for Mark Jackson, but like he wasn't definitively for Mark Jackson. So Casey wanted Mark Jackson. And okay. one of the reasons why he wanted him was he believed that Mark Jackson has a higher ceiling. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. So like I thought about it and like so the reason why like I don't know what case like what Casey's justification is, like he kind of just said he kind of just said it, but didn't really explain what that means. But my my argument back would be just, well, you can't really say that Mike Brown doesn't, you can't really say that Mike Brown doesn't have the same ceiling, if not higher. But like the floor with Mark Jackson, I believe is so low that mm-hmm. you, why would you take that risk to, yeah. you know, when you have the option to, you know, hire Mike Brown, who again, has been around like literally in the game uh, you know, like just now, he's still in the game right now, and like instead take a huge risk again for for Mark Jackson, who, you know, theoretically maybe he does have a high ceiling. You we don't know. He hasn't been in the damn game for so long, but at the same time, like again, you can argue that Mike Brown has you know just the same same kind of uh just the same same kind of ceiling, and also just the such a higher floor. And then also like their flaws are kind of the same to a certain degree in terms of coaching. Like they're like they have very unimaginative offenses. Like a lot of people who were advocating for Mark Jackson really don't know what he was. I feel like didn't really know what he was running toward like towards the end of his stint, which was post ups for Clay Thompson, for Andre Iguodala, Draymond Green, Harrison Barnes. Yeah, that's not going to fend off well with uh, our team. And, uh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, like famed, famed, uh, famed Warriors fan Sam Espendiari. He basically just talked, he basically broke it down perfectly. Like, the the next year, Steve Kerr took that, basically that exact same team, plus Sean Livingston and Leandro Barboza. That mattered, but it's basically the same core, the same team. That it, it took that from a 51 win team to a 67 win team and the title. They, mm. The point that Sam was trying to make is that Mark Jackson was going to limit their ceiling, and that and like he might have just gotten fired before it ever hit that ceiling. But there, but the idea is that the point I'm trying to make is that his coaching it was flawed, and people seem to either forget that or just straight up don't know about that. And again. Like you, he brings the controversy, which, to, to fair or not, it is part of it is going to be part of the conversation. And you are taking inher- a inherent risk with a guy with a you know a bit of a, a bit of a past or a bit of a controversial past, and also like you know questionable coaching. 
And like, why take that extra risk where you honestly, like, you know, the, the Kings could very likely come out to a slow start. And if you have Mark Jackson at the helm, like say bye-bye to a good portion of your fan base because you look at what Portland did with Chauncey Billups, where they went with Chauncey Billups over Becky Hammond and they came out the gates pretty terrible and they started to kill off their fan base. And this, and the Kings fan base has been dying, unfortunately, because of this incompetence. And you hire Mark Jackson. Granted, this could happen with Mike Brown too if they get off to a really bad start. But at the same time, you hire Mark Jackson, you bring in all those, you know, all the controversy and plus that with losing, you really risk alienating your fan base. And that could be like the beginning of the end. So again, I just think the risk was so high. It just wasn't worth it. Hmm. Now, I want to say this, but let's just say worse comes to worse. We do start off super bad and do you think Mike Brown's going to last long if we start super bad next season? Or I think good? so. I think so. The first year of Luke started out bad. He he was fine until mm-hmm. until Vlade resigned. Like it, it, like the, the thing with these things, I you know we you got to use the P word. You got to be patient with these things. Like look at look at the Pelicans. They start out three and sixteen, and somehow ended up better than us, which honestly speaks more about us than it does about them but like the idea is that they had a new coach he had a system he got them to buy in they it was rough it was rough in the at first because they had a lot of injuries and they didn't they didn't know their rotations just yet but give it some time and it started to build and it start and it you know it finally kind of fixed itself you could honestly make the argument had we kept luke last year things might have turned around like you never know but like you know, you, you got you got to be able to play this out. You got to be patient. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, which comes to mind. Uh, I still can't believe Mark Jackson got past to the pretty much the finals of uh, in terms of NBA basketball. Like in terms of uh, the interviews. I mean, I never really care for these things, just because, like, ultimately, like, I don't want to say the process doesn't matter, but like. We're not going to remember this in a few years, especially if Mike if Mike Brown is going to be successful. We're not going to mm. remember this at all because oh yeah, I remember Knicks. I remember he was getting considered for the Knicks job, and like that's kind of a distant memory now. Granted, they they might have they probably could have used Mark Jackson because I don't even know who they hired to be honest. But like it, it's he you know it, it's it's a thing, and like it, these things are going to happen and. You know, you kind of clench your fists a little bit and hope that and just kind of, you know, hope that, you know, common sense prevails at the end, if you will. Hmm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so uh, last thing before we kind of move on to just, you know, playoff updates. So like this, you know, there's been a prevailing narrative around this team that Vivek likes to meddle. And in this in this instance, the room, the report came out that he wanted Mark Jackson. And, you know, no one ever really said that if he wants Mark Jackson, Mark Jackson will be the coach. No one ever really truly said that. No, not Vivek, not any report, but it was just the idea he preferred Mark Jackson. But ultimately, like the ultimately like the front office i guess the i guess that side won out and vivek did not get his guy and vivek's meddling did not overcome rational decision making and i 
I think it's actually, there's actually enough times now where that has actually won out. And like, so can, should we put the Vivek meddling stuff to, to bed and just kind of move on from that? Or are you still scared that he will meddle in the, in the future? Yeah, the problem is nowadays is I can't really tell if this is more of a publicity stunt or not. Uh, because when was the last time Vivek has meddled and it actually came true? I can't remember. Uh, so, so that so that's the real question. Like, when has he truly meddled since you know the be- the beginnings? Of, like, you know, getting Mike Malone fired, essentially getting manipulated into firing Mike Malone and you know hiring George Carl and all that stuff. But so like the, the one thing I can I can name that's relatively recent, although that might be a little bit beyond even beyond the VEC, but like the the idea that Luke Wong like Luke Wong stayed after uh after the VEC resigned or got fired, whichever whichever word you want to say. Like you know, what the idea is that whenever you get a new general manager, you want that general manager to hire his own coach. But instead, Luke stayed on for about for one season and 17 games, as opposed to letting Monty pick his guy from the start. Like that is probably the only time I could really name that he truly, I guess, meddled. And we don't even know. Maybe Monty really did believe Luke could do it, but like who knows what happened like what what other instances do you feel like where Vivek there were reports of Vivek meddling but ha- but the meddling kind of won over if you will uh, it's gotta go back years I mean the one that comes to mind which I kind of forgot if it was a Fuade thing was uh getting buddy healed for cousins and you know other stuff I think I think he had something to do with it. There was also a little, honestly, like listen to James Ham, like Demarcus's team kind of fucked up that deal too. Because remember the infamous, uh, we had a better deal two days ago. Uh, 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 yeah, I did. I did. I remember that. So the actual, so the story I thought what it was was that there was a trade for Andre Drummond, like was what I thought I heard at the time. But the, the actual story of what happened was. Basically, they they were going to trade DeMarcus to New Orleans, and New Orleans, I think, was going to include two picks, two first-round picks. Mm-hmm. But DeMarcus's team went to New Orleans, we are not going to sign an extension with you. So New Orleans kind of panicked a little bit and basically said, said to them, okay, we're not giving you two picks if he's not going to sign an extension with us. And then there was this kind of push and pull, and ultimately the deal, the deal that happened, happened. Uh, yeah, mm, I see. So, other than that, yeah, I can't really think of any other points where Vivek has like meddled to a point where it actually was game changing for our uh, organization. So, yeah, like honest, like I'll be honest, I am more than open to discussion about this one, just because like there probably is some, but but like the the ones I can name where he quote unquote meddled but never but didn't get his way, the Luca thing. Like, granted, okay. that that was a very that seems to be a very split thing for the most part. It, it wasn't a Vlade and Vivek kind of clashing. It was a lot of people kind of like stuck on whether to draft Marvin or to draft Luca. It wasn't like a consensus in the in the front office that's kind of what it was um the well i guess the joe dumars thing if you if you want to bring that up like just bringing in joe dumars like that was just weird uh, uh-huh. the, the, the doug christie stuff like there were reports that he wanted doug christie to be the head coach 
that didn't happen. Like you, you hate to see that kind of shit happen, or you hate to hear reports about that. But it didn't happen. So, is that something? Hmm. I mean, can't really say now since it's way way past now. And then the, of course, the Joe Dumars just randomly leaving essentially.、Uh, like the fact that the reports were that Joe Dumars wanted more power and wanted kind of like. Superiority over、uh, Monty and West Wilcox, and ultimately did not get it from Vivek, and ultimately just dipping. So, like, maybe this narrative is maybe it's time to put put this narrative to rest, possibly. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure there's gonna be there's always good reports、uh, going around with Vivek. So, I guess we're gonna have to wait and see if、uh, it becomes true or not, because. Yeah, so far, yeah. For some reason, can't think of something in my mind that he has done. Yeah, here's the hoping he doesn't fire Monty in the next week or so. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> that, because that would be that would be the weird kind of kind of karma, <laughs> I guess, if you will. But you know what, Vivek, maybe we shouldn't give him give him as much slack as we do. He's he's unfortunately a little bit hated around here for the most part now because of just how he's, you know, how he's run the team. The the culture he's kind of cultivated, and you know, to be whether it's fair or not, like we should give him, I guess, credit for not fucking things up again, possibly.、Mm. I guess we'll see. Okay, all right, let's、uh, move on to the games. Uh, so uh, since the last recording,、um, things have changed. So where to where to start?、Um, you know, let, let, let's start let's start with the big let's start with the big guns.、Uh, so the Warriors Grizzly Grizzlies game it's gotten kind of heated.、Um, so we talked about the Dylan Brooks foul、um, that happened in game two that you know injured GP two. And ever since then, it's only somehow gotten more heated. So th- the Grizzlies end up taking Game Two, but end up losing Game Three,、um, where、uh, so Jaw gets injured towards the end of the third, where Jordan Poole kind of just basically they double him and Wiggins double Jordan Poole, and Jordan kind of pulls on pulls on Jaw's knee. Whether it was intentional or not is up to you to decide. I don't think it was intentional. Kind of ends up just pulling on his knee and kind of pushing him at the same time, causing this kind of weird thing with his knee. And unfortunately, he is out for game four. And so, my question to you was that play dirty? Uh, I mean, it didn't look intentional. It, I guess he, it looked, it looked more like he was trying to strip the ball, but he was way too short, in my opinion. But. By the you know body movement and all that, didn't look intentional to me. Yeah, I don't know what people are talking about when they think when they try to like essentially, you know, mental gymnastics to try and like make it make that look intentional because, like it, like it, it happened like that kind of stuff happens. And then of course you have the idiots who are trying to equate this to Dylan Brooks's flagrant foul somehow. Look, sh- look. I guess on the base level, like they're both trying to make basketball plays, and both of them end up injuring people. But if you have half a brain, I'm sorry. Like one guy was very reckless in his in his pursuit of the ball and ended up, you know, attack essentially tackling the dude in the air or you know smacking him in the head. 
while in the air. This one was, I think, just trying to make a trying to make a very simple basketball play and just uh, unfortunately just kind of ends up bumping his knee. And no, it was no, it was not dirty. I'm sorry. Like if you think it's dirty, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but unfortunately, it does take away from what was a pretty good game. Like Jaw was absolutely spectacular. Absolutely. Without Gary Payton there, they don't have a guy to guard him one-on-one. And he got to the rim basically at will. But unfortunately, there just wasn't enough help around him. Yeah, I mean, pretty much tied to series. Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry, not tied to series. <laughs> what am I you, saying? A little Freudian slip there. Uh but yes, like they ended up going, uh, Warriors go up 2-1. And right now, I think they're actually, yeah, like Memphis is leading by seven without Jaw. It's pretty interesting how they play like so well without Jaw. It's it's a, it's a testament to how good the team is. Hmm. Oh yeah, just uh, need a lot more help from Dylan Brooks somehow. <laughs> somehow as i as i said i as i said as kind of like you know honestly a, a joke in poor taste the warriors might have wanted him not to be suspended but like the dude the dude takes some awful shots like again he thinks he he thinks he's kobe bryant or Kawhi leonard or something and the dude is two for 13 for with four points yeah <laughs> Well, we'll see by the end of the fourth quarter because it just started. Uh, 7162. Geez, that's a. I didn't expect that, to be honest. Yeah, one of our buddies like once asked us, can the Kings beat the Warriors? I mean, if the, and I said, yeah, if the Warriors miss some threes, like, we have a chance. Yeah. If they miss threes, like, how much you can do? I mean, granted, like, the Grizzlies are great at packing the paint. There was nowhere for, like, you know, Steph, Poole, and like Clay to go. They they have to resort to jump shots, and they're not falling. So credit to credit to the Grizzlies for playing some good defense. Hopefully, the Kings can play defense like that next year. Oh, maybe. I mean, just maybe. <laughs> I mean, any, any sort of defense at this point can uh, be beneficial for the Kings at this point. Uh, let's talk about a bit about the Bucks versus the Celtics. Uh, I don't know if you followed it, but like Al Horford had basically the game of his life. 30 points. I forget, I think like, was it 16 in the fourth or something like that? He was incredible. He went at Giannis too. Like he kind of punked Giannis a few times. Jeez, I went for 14-2 against Giannis, uh, guarding him too? Yeah. Wow, five for seven from free. Jeez, yeah, that is a game of his life. Probably, I want. Is this a uh, career playoff high? Like, I don't think so. Probably something in it. He probably did something better when he was with the Hawks. But like, yeah, Al Horford was amazing. It was a tied game going into the fourth, and I, I think it's. I think I read like it was. They, they were down double. Boston was down double digits uh, in the second half, and they, they came back. And it was a lot, and it was, you know, Al Horford basically sparking them. Mar- Marcus Smart, like, was punking <laughs> Drew Holiday, like, <laughs> honestly making, like, do, doing a Drew Holiday on Drew Holiday, just powering, like, through him. And then, like, Jason Tatum kind of came through, like, you know, when they needed him. So, like, credit to the Celtics. I, like, the the Bucks are just a physical, big-ass team. And then you have Drew, like, just being the lockdown defender he is. They are just a just a beast of a team to play against and credit to the Celtics for you know like keeping up with them yeah really well deserved game I mean if Drew could hit more shots I think 
it would have been the other way, to be honest. I mean, that's who Drew is. He's not really a reliable offensive player, I think. Like, mm-hmm. and this is where they miss Chris Middleton, unfortunately. And, oh yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like Drew's got to have a better game, but I, I don't expect that from him. Like, what, like what it is, the Bucks just need to hit their threes, and granted, the Celtics need to hit their threes because Bucks are going to give you open threes. Yeah, they got to hit them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, move on to the 76ers versus Miami. Like, I didn't think they were they had any life in them. It's two two now. The 76ers have fought back. Joel Embiid is back, and you know is a dominant force that has basically shifted the series, and of course has revitalized James Harden as well. Yeah, James Harden actually uh, getting more free throws and uh, hitting more threes. Uh, didn't expect this from the Sixers. I kind of wanted. Miami to pretty much almost sweep them. I forgot what I predicted, to be honest. But uh, yeah, oh, oh, I'm still hoping Miami still wins this uh, series. How Lowry is, I think, questionable for the next game. Uh-huh. So that's going to be tough to, you know, overcome that. But um, yeah, uh, I, I don't, I honestly don't know what they're going to do. Like, they look, they just look kind of out of gas in a way like they look like they just could not score against the Sixers mm, let's see their next game was tomorrow actually so huh we'll see it'll be back at home I believe right oh uh, yes it'll be in Miami yeah I, I'm pretty sure they could snag a win at home not sure about in Philly that's uh if they win game five they they win game six it's that simple. I just think like the Sixers will crumble under the pressure, and honestly, it might as well be a road road game because that crowd is gonna be. It, it honestly is more of a detriment to, to the Sixers than it is an asset, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So the final series. I always forget that the series is happening just because it just doesn't seem to be a lot of fanfare around it, despite the stars being in it. Uh, the Suns versus the Mavericks in the same vein. I thought they were dead in the water after after going down 0-2. They have stormed back. And, you know, Chris Ball had just a really weird game four where he fouled out, like I think with nine minutes to go, I, I believe. And part of it was like apparently he was really distracted because there were these fuck fuckheads who were, you know, actually apparently one of them put hands on his wife or his mom. Uh-huh. And uh yeah. Like it just fans being fans, and honestly, fans that need need their need an ass whooping. Yeah, and Charles Barkley said best again. Just need five minutes set a court. <laughs> Chris Paul versus these uh, fans. That's all they need. You know what? What they did. Have both teams just go at them. Have have they? Did you see uh, the the guy who tackled Dave Chappelle? Oh dear God! Yeah. Did you see? Did you see what he looked like afterwards? Oh, oh yeah, that that was an ass whooping. That's what. That's unfortunately what ha- needs to happen to these fans. And like you know, that that the the fan that tackled uh, Dave Chappelle, I think, did, did have mental issues. Like, sure, I have some. I have some sympathy for for mental health issues. I'm sorry. Like, I have very little. I still have very little sympathy for what, ha- what ended up happening to him. I'm sorry. More of those things need to happen. Fans needs fans need some ass whoopings. And like they should, they like the NBA's got. Come on, you you gotta look into this. You got like I don't know if you uh, also like. Let's keep talking about these fans getting their ass beat. There was a girl who tried to like base. She jumped the barricade at UFC 274. She she actually got onto like the outside of the cage, 
there happened to be a security guard there. It, you you want to take a guess what the security guard did? Uh, didn't drag her down. No, I guess again. He actually dragged her down. No, not he, even that. She he he straight up shoved her and she flew onto the floor. Ooh, ooh. Well, I don't know if she flew onto the floor. She might have flew onto the crowd, but like you saw, like she basically launched her into, into onto the floor, essentially. Oh, like, geez. like I hope, I hope that girl didn't get hurt seriously. Hurt? Do I feel a lot of sympathy? No. <laughs> and honestly, I'm sorry. That that kind of shit is what needs to happen to fans. Like, behave yourself. Be decent human beings. Don't be a fucking dick. And if you put your if you put your hands on my woman, I'm fucking you up. Like you gotta understand that. Like you just because you pay a few thousand dollars for a dumbass ticket, it doesn't excuse your it doesn't excuse your actions. And honest and just don't be surprised if you get if you get an ass whooping your way or if karma hits you straight in the face. Uh, yeah, sadly, it feels like it's been happening more more recently than you know i can remember sadly. i just think i honestly just think there's more focus on it. i think this has been happening forever and mm. now we're just focusing more on it and there needs to be something done don't speak like just don't be so like the customer isn't always right sometimes you need to beat the shit out of the customer should be should be the new <laughs> slogan you know uh anyways yes the 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 series is now tied 2-2 luga's been pretty amazing the role players have been hitting threes and the dallas defense has been really good to the point where devin booker and chris paul can't really get going and again it was a weird ass game from chris paul just you know the his cheap tricks did, didn't work and it really took him out of the game and uh yeah if those two aren't going the suns look a little vulnerable yeah i mean it looked like they played a great game overall. Just uh, it seemed like uh, more the <clears throat> excuse me, Dallas Mavericks. Uh, I guess supporting cast uh, supported Luca a lot more this game than previous games, in my opinion. Like I like coming into the series, like any any series where you have the best player, and in this case, it's Luca. You have a puncher's chance of winning the series. And like at the first two games, he, I mean, he was still really good, but like the rest of the team just wasn't able yeah. to kind of keep up with him. But now, like his team's waking up and like they're fighting back. So, yeah, especially Lucas uh, hitting one for ten from free this game, man. <laughs> and they still like blow out the Suns. Like that's really good. Yeah, that is really good. Dorian Finney-Smith scored twenty-four. Jalen Brunson hit an eighteen, and you know. Bench uh, hit almost ten apiece. Very good uh, supporting cast so far. Yeah. Um, do you predict a Dallas win in Game Five? Uh, I still think Phoenix can pull it off. To be honest, um, at this point, it's kind of like hard to say if it's going to be six or seven. I'm going to say Phoenix in six. I'm going to say Dallas in six. I think they're winning uh, Game Five. I just, I mean, I don't love Luca. Like, you know, of course you have the King stuff, but like, I, I, I can't get behind Devin Booker and Chris Paul. There's something about them. And like, uh, 
I don't know. It, it, it's it's a coin toss. I'm going to pick Dallas in this one. They were my dark horse to make it to the finals, honestly, just because Luka's been so good and their defense has been so good. And, you know, like, you never know. Like, with how with how the East, or how the West is weird, really weirdly balanced, there isn't an, like an overwhelming favorite. Everyone is vulnerable to a certain degree. Like, I think I think that Dallas can make this very interesting. I think they'll win game five. Mm. Well, I guess we'll see tomorrow. We shall see tomorrow. And that's all we have. Sorry for my rant of essentially encouraging violence, but I'm sorry. Some some of the some of these motherfuckers need need a t- need a, you know a lesson to be taught. Like the dude from the mouths of the palace. Rodart, like the fact that Rod Artest didn't break his damn face basically just uh, chance missed. <laughs> yeah, it might have went a little too far, but you know, yeah, family first, right? Family first, indeed. Okay, uh, so the next episode hopefully will be coming to you uh, later in the week. Uh, it will contain uh, uh, the draft, and uh, I don't know if we're including Shane Sharp in that one yet. They're just, I, I just, it's hard to do research on them because there isn't any film to go off of really yeah. in a professional setting so we'll, we'll have to find a way it will definitely include Jaden Ivey uh, probably AJ Griffin and uh, what's the other one uh, Keegan Murray like, who been like, just posted videos on them so there's that uh, in terms of Shane Sharp we'll have to pro- I'll have to see how that's going to work out yeah I guess we'll have to see um, before we go did you mention the MVP and coach of the year Oh, yeah, uh, Coach of the Year, Monty Williams, basically. I mean, yeah, 64 wins this season. Congratulations. Mm Back-to-back MVPs for Jokic. The only thing I saw online was a lot of people. There there was a portion of people that wanted Embiid to win it. Uh, I don't know, (laughs) to be honest. I don't know. I, I, I was always on Jokic, so. Yeah, I mean, Embiid can be always top five. I don't think he's number one out of those five yet. And for those people that are like saying, well, he got eliminated in the first round, put 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 the 76 versus the Warriors and see who comes out. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like they ain't they're not getting they're not getting more than six games out of them either. Like it's not like you know, especially now, like Sixers definitely have the better team. Like, you know, if Harden is even playing at like 70% capacity. Like Jokic makes te- makes his teammates better in ways that Joel Embiid simply I feel just doesn't. You you, you could argue with me on that one. He is a force of nature all on his own. He he might just be as good as Jokic in terms of like making his teammates better, but I think Jokic is just transcendent in his in his passing and his you know his ability to score. Mm. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I don't have that much opinion yeah. on the on the MVP. I thought it was clo- I thought it was a close case, but you know, oh I, yeah, I don't exactly feel like debate. And honestly, who gives a shit anymore? I I I've had debates with my coworker who's a hardened fan. Just like you know, he he keeps saying like Giannis should have won it. Uh, what was it in 2018? And then I was like, who gives it? I was like, who gives a shit? Like for the la- for at that point for the last two years. Over the last three years, the best player or the MVP race does not include the three best players in the league. LeBron, KD, and Curry. Like, you're talking about, like, the fourth or fifth best player. Who gives a shit anymore? But some people like to debate about it. So, like, you know, 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, Jokic is probably not the best player in the league, but he was definitely the best player in the regular season. And that's what this is. A regular season award. Get over it. <laughs> Bye. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, yeah. We probably should move on because it's. It, I think that's enough talk about MVPs. Okay. Well, that's all I have. So if you, unless you have anything else, let's, uh, let's end this episode. Yep. Uh, well, I guess we'll see you guys later then. All right. Yep. Next episode will be a draft, but it will be, it remains to be seen who we'll be, we will be covering.